0: Hello, and welcome to the Don't Be Afraid podcast. My name is Andrew. Thank you for listening. Today, I am here with my friend Bill, and I'm going to talk about Band of Brothers and teach Bill about the stories that went with the soldiers that became the popular HBO miniseries that many people saw called Band of Brothers. Uh, Bill, welcome to the show.
1: Yeah, thank you. Uh, Before we start, let's sync the audio. All right, I
0: don't know what that means. Just make
1: a couple clicking noises or something.
0: Click, 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 All right, are we synced up?
1: Yeah, we're as good as we're going to get. Okay.
0: All right. So this is on a website, supersummary.com forward slash band of brothers forward slash summary. And I'm going to read the plot summary. If you have any questions. I'm sorry, what? What were you saying?
1: Oh, I said this sounds like a good movie.
0: Yeah, it's not a movie. It's a miniseries. I said that earlier. Were you paying attention?
1: Oh, I, just that long title that you, you put out there. I've never heard a movie with that long of a name. I see.
0: Okay. <laughs> well, um, I, think the, I think the listener really appreciates your feedback, and I'm probably going to need Tylenol by the time we're done, or maybe something stronger. I don't know. Okay. Uh, so, so um, I would like to read the plot summary for Band of Brothers. And Bill, <clears throat> if you have any related questions, the key thing is related questions to the topic. When when I get done, uh, that would be where you can interject.
1: Okay. Okay. I'm good at that.
0: Right, right. So, okay. So, you kind of, you feeling me now? Like where, like where I want to go and what I want you to do? Like, I think you do. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah totally I think right. we're synced. Okay. Mentally so, and uh, audio
0: Yes. So, uh, the plot summary here reads as Band of Brothers is a nonfiction history of one World War II company of paratroopers, Easy Company, of the 506th Regiment, 101st Airborne. Through a combination of narrative, interviews, maps, and excerpts from letters, Stephen E. Ambrose follows the lives of this group of soldiers from their training in 1942, their deployments in Europe, and their lives after the war. By focusing on the lives of members of one particular company, Ambrose reveals the reality of military life and the lives of the ordinary men behind the typical large-scale military histories of the period. Does that make sense to you, Bill?
1: How many dudes are we talking about? How many guys were there? In this company. Like, how many How many guys? How many brothers?
0: Uh, that's a good question. I remember from the series, uh, there, was, there was about a dozen uh, real-life guys that were focused on And what I can tell you about my experience was uh, what I really, uh, uh, really related to. They had real life uh, interviews with the guys uh, before each episode. They would talk about like when they went to Bastogne. Bastogne is my favorite episode from Band of Brothers, and uh, that was where they were in France. And it was the winter, and it was like this terrible. Uh, they talk about the trees were exploding. So they were surrounded and they were outgunned. And um, they had interviews with the real guys who were there. And then, of course, there were actors playing them. So I don't know exactly how many people were in Easy Company. Of course, people died and they had replacements. But, um, you know, there was a key uh, dozen people or so. Um,
1: so there's uh, a dozen soldiers. Give or
0: take, yeah. Period. Um, okay. So
1: It must be pretty good, man. Yeah,
0: it it is great. It was a really good series. I recommend it. It still holds up. It was actually, as I was doing research for this, uh, I was reading that um, it was one of the first things on TV that was shot in widescreen. And it was before everyone really had widescreen TVs. So it's aged very well because of that part of the uh, the technical aspect. Um, But yeah, so the next paragraph... Uh, Easy Company's first major engagement was in the D-Day invasion of Normandy, France. Important personalities in the company emerged during this action, most particularly Richard Winters, who eventually led the company and its battalion. On the whole, the men of Easy Company performed well. Ambrose narrates their missions at Braycourt, Manor, and Carrington to show that their reputation for bravery in the army was well-deserved. uh, so, so yeah, it opens with them, uh, as far as their deployment, it shows their training in the first episode, but then they're, they're like right at D-Day and it sucks you right in. Um, they did a good job with, with that. Um,
1: now what's D-Day? Explain to me what D-Day is.
0: Uh, D-Day was the, uh, turning point of World War Two, where, um, America and its allies, including Canada, which often doesn't get credit, um, they uh, made as many weapons and vehicles as possible over here, and then we ship them over by boats, and then we just unlo- unleash them on Europe to overthrow the Axis.
1: Just dropping cars from the sky.
0: Uh, no, no. <laughs> They didn't do that. They they were on boats, but uh, yeah, they um... dropped them boats from the sky. <laughs> no, that's not what they did. They uh they they had boats and then they had small landing crafts full of men and full of vehicles, and uh, the Germans were confused because we had a dummy operation where we sent Patton, who was arguably our best general, to a different location. Where we had a bunch of props with balloons uh that were shaped like jeeps and uh, and tanks and uh they thought Patton would be leading the invasion uh but he was at a different location and that's not what happened actually
1: man that blows my mind so they got like they got like jeep balloons like ascending so the germans are distracted and then they're dropping jeeps on them
0: no they weren't full of they weren't full of helium no they were uh they were just full of air kind of like you oh So, their status as part of the legendary Screaming Eagles of the 101st Airborne was sealed during the defense of Bastogne, which I mentioned earlier. However, when their successful effort to hold off the Germans while under siege was widely reported in newspapers, Ambrose recounts in detail what most people don't know about them, namely the toll those months in 44 and 45 took on the leadership and soldiers of Easy Company. They went again to Noville, France. And despite continuing to break under the pressure of their long deployment in combat zones, performed well enough to help Eisenhower meet his objectives. In the last year of the war, Easy Company served closer to the rear in Hagenau, Germany, and spent time recuperating again in Marmelon.
1: So, Easy Company. they have anything to do with that uh, Bad Company Battlefield
0: game? Uh, I think it has... I think um, it actually has nothing to do with it at all. I don't. I don't think it has. Okay. Uh, I don't think. I think it's just that you know, in the army, they call things companies.
1: No, that makes sense. I don't think there's any money in just dropping cars. No. Seems like a waste of money, actually.
0: I think it would. Yeah, I think it would cost money if you dropped a car off a plane onto the ground out of a boat. Yeah, and plus, like, who wants to give Hitler a free car anyway, right? I mean, we were fighting those guys, even if if it was for scrap metal. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, every picture I've seen of Hitler, he doesn't... He's never driving. Yeah. He doesn't need cars. So, technically, he's never driven drunk.
0: That's... Yeah. So,
1: if you drive and and you drink, you're worse than Hitler. Literally. That
0: is true. (laughs) So... Throughout the narrative, Ambrose focuses on what distinguishes a good leader from a bad leader. Because the army is organized in a hierarchical fashion, what makes a good leader varies according to the level of responsibility. For example, Eisenhower is a very distant, powerful figure who appears in Ambrose's accounts of war strategies and large-scale planning and thus has very little contact with the men who nevertheless respect him. When he does deign to engage with the men personally, they are aware that these gestures take him away from his very important duties as supreme commander.
1: Hmm. Think the uh, supreme commander's at the top of that hierarchy?
0: Yeah, I think so. I, think I su- can't
1: imagine what they would call anybody who's uh, higher than him.
0: I think uh, Crunchwrap Supreme is probably what they call the guy over him. I'm pretty sure that would be the, the guy <laughs> above him. Symbols and motifs. I want to just go over this. And again, all this can be found on supersummary.com. I want to give them credit. I'll put a link when we upload this. If there's anything good here, if people have feedback, we both definitely want to hear about it.
1: So well, let's talk about some of these. Let's uh, tell me more about these guys, Flo.
0: Right, okay. Uh, so on uh, Mount Kurahi, and that's where they trained. This was the, uh, the first episode, I believe, was called Kurahi. Uh, and I believe it's, it's an Indian term. Uh, Located at Camp Tokoa, Curahee serves as the site of the men's training and they're coalescing into into a unified group. Ambrose translates the Indian, or Cherokee specifically, name of the mountain to mean stands alone. The mountain and Easy Company's conquering of it during their training underscore the company's elite status, which is achieved both through their physical strength and their camaraderie and commitment to each other. The name of the mountain is therefore an appropriate motto for the company. Finally, the eagle and the silver wings are symbols of the 101st.
1: You're saying that mountain was called, uh, what, stands
0: alone? Yeah, it, it's a Cherokee term, which is, it's Kurihy, and it translates to stands alone, according to what Ambrose says. So, um, a side note. Ambrose definitely wrote a lot about World War II, but he was accused of plagiarism at certain points, and I've seen the comparison of the earlier books. Uh, best of my memory, this was some time ago, but I think there is some accuracy that he, he did do some plagiarism. Uh, but specifically, you asked me, sorry, about, about kurahi and yeah, it does mean stands alone, which throughout the series, I don't think I got it as much when I was younger, but Stands Alone, uh, there's an episode later, I think, I don't know if it's the last episode, but I, it may be called Stands Alone, where it sort of talks about uh, when they're surrounded and they all stick together and they fight as the Germans are closing in, like at Bastogne. It's sort of all about how um, any worthwhile man stands alone when he has to, when he's tested, I think is sort of what the, the st- it's one of the general themes there. I, I don't either they didn't tell it that well or they weren't blunt enough for my thick skull to get it or it's just sort of one of many themes I'm not sure which of which but uh, Stands Alone does come up later in the series as well as either a theme or something that's said
1: I thought they just named it after that Godsmack song which by the way to bring this back to plagiarism those guys are the king of
0: (laughs) tell me more
1: (laughs) they're basically Alice in Chains And there's not much left to say about
0: (laughs) it. Thank you so much for listening to the Don't Be Afraid podcast. Again, I'm Andrew. Thank you to Bill for joining me for this episode. We'll be back soon. Please subscribe to some of the links below. We've got YouTube videos. I've got a SoundCloud and various links. And I'd love to hear your feedback. Thank you for your time. Take care.